0: are back with another episode of underrated i'm lefty and i'm bo you know i want to take a quick second before we jump into today's episode just to ask all of you if you haven't already just to take a quick moment to please subscribe to underrated on whatever platform you're listening to us on and to also go ahead and give us a rating subscriptions and ratings help us reach a wider audience and in turn help us bring you more content and guests yes that being said let's jump into this episode let's do it Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world, and one of the most important things is related to the MLB. Do you know what I want to talk about first, Bo? What do you want to talk about? An antitrust lawsuit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Listen, to the listeners are pumped now. That'll get your blood going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll touch upon the World Series and also the other, you know, the NWSL Championship later. Sure. But first, I want to talk about the, the bigger news when it comes to... Arguably the entire structure of the league. Four former minor league teams filed suit against MLB, challenging their antitrust status, arguing that because MLB restructured the minor leagues, it essentially ended their businesses so they could no longer attract top talent, play other minor league teams, or compete on the same level, arguing that minor league status is essential to their business. This lawsuit was dismissed. (laughs) Which was actually what the teams were hoping for. Right. That dismissal opens the door for a new Supreme Court challenge of Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption that has been protected uh, for over a century. What do you think happens with this, Bo?
1: Well, um, you know, it's really it's really hard to say, you know. I think, um, you know, bringing this topic to light needed to happen, you know, and it's it's funny, right? I mean, you know, like I said, uh, or like you just said, um, you know, focusing on the appeal, um, you know, will 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 simply just be on overthrowing the baseball exemption, is what Jim Qu- Quinn said. You know, the minor league clubs' owner uh, our lawyers. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to say, man. Uh, I mean, the MLB is really a juggernaut, right? Like, uh, it's it's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you do? You know, from the the, the minor league side Like, you know, where do you go with this After, you know, after this case is dismissed
0: Well, I mean, I think they they were always building To this Supreme Court challenge Because there's no real legal reason For Major League Baseball to have this antitrust exemption Mm -hmm. They're the only sports league with it Um, It's been, you know, described as pretty legally dubious Many times over the last 114 years, I think it is um, and with a with a you know, I, I think that this uh, I think it's got to get overturned. I, d- I don't think there's any real basis for for this protection to exist. Right. Um. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know that there was some legislation that was introduced, I believe, earlier this this year, um, uh, trying to you know, uh, by law overturn this antitrust exemption. Right. Uh. That that kind of stalled in Congress. But I think that uh, this is a good avenue, and I think that it's it's going to go away.
1: Well, it could be it could be a, a you know a big start, or maybe maybe a little step forward to something big that's going to happen in the very near future. Yeah. I hope I hope that is the case. Um, you know, I know uh, Major League Baseball is going to fight and fight, um, yeah, as, as hard as they can, as, as they always do to uh, you know keep the little guy down. But
0: you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we're probably years away from a conclusion to this. Sure. But uh, nonetheless, it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, uh, you know, back of your head. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, jumping over to the NFL, we've seen some recent trades, but maybe more interestingly, some large struggles from some of the biggest name veterans at the QB position, you know? Oh, yeah. After a hot start, Tom Brady has now lost four of the last five games. The Colts recently announced that they'll be benching. Matt Ryan in favor of Sam Ellinger yeah and uh Russell Wilson has somehow gotten progressively weirder and more out of touch each week uh do you think this says anything more meaningful about the game and quarterbacks as they age or is this just kind of par for the course
1: yeah I mean the couple of names we just named they they've aged right um (laughs) I you know I think with starting with Russell Wilson I think this puts the spotlight on you know The story was always that Russell Wilson was trapped in the system. It was the system. It wasn't him. And now you're seeing in a brand new system that has worked for another quarterback, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, who was um, with the Green Bay Packers prior to coming to Denver, had worked with Aaron Rodgers for quite a few years and um, had a great relationship. It's hard to say when you hire someone who's a quarterback's coach or, you know, an offensive coordinator, especially when you have good players, right? It's it's you know they're already doing the job and you come along and you've instilled that uh, it's I think with Russell Wilson we see that he just isn't that good you know Um, and it it seems to be getting worse and we can say whatever we want about you know uh, injuries or whatever but he's yeah on top of that he's kind of a weirdo too Um, I think that we've talked about this in another episode that the speed of the game has changed so much. Um, and I think for the quintessential pocket passers like the Bradys, the Rodgers, and the Matt Ryans, um, I just think the game is moving at a different level. And with all the access to, you know, analytics and coverage and, you know, being able to watch plays over and over and over, um, defense is just moving at a different speed. So, you know, yeah, it, yeah. I, that – and they're just – they're old, You know and i mean you really anybody can say what they want about it i mean the guys they're just not performing at the level that they were 15 years ago you know and i know tom brady's only a couple years away from a super bowl win but there's obvious things going on in his life out off the field and he's just not performing at a high level that offense in tampa looks stale and it's on thursday night football this evening and um you know we'll, we'll see how that looks but uh
0: yeah, it's yeah. been pretty pitiful. Yeah, that may be a rough
1: one to watch tonight. Yeah, all these primetime games. Thursday Night Football this year has been the worst. And, again, we talk about Russell Wilson. he's He's been on more primetime games than I can just stomach, you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Thursday Night Football has been pretty awful. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Amazon streaming service either uh, as far as the sports games and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know,
0: it's kind of it's kind of strange. Uh, There's some interesting. uh, There's an interesting breakdown between how Americans feel about it and how folks overseas Mm -hmm. feel about it. I saw some some interesting, like high praise of Amazon coverage of Premier League games. Um, Sure. Apparently, they've picked up some midweek Premier League games. um, And people absolutely have loved what they've been doing there. Really? uh, Which is a weird departure. That they actually weird. had an interesting segment um, in which they had the coaches of Brentford and Chelsea, uh, I believe it was a week and a half ago, yeah. ask each other questions as their pregame show instead of whatever nonsense pregame usually happens, right. which is actually pretty pretty that's insightful. Fun. Yeah. 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 That's, that's um, fun. That's a fun format. Yeah. And uh, I do also really appreciate the, uh, I can't remember what they call it, their their AWS advanced stats view. Um, I would love for something like that to exist in baseball. Right. Um, I can appreciate so, that. So, so hopefully that that comes around. Sure. Um, they are doing a couple of things right, but yeah, for the football product, uh, the American football product, it's not been great.
1: Right. And I I think it's also because of the teams that have been playing on Thursday night football. it's, it's been yeah. pretty bad. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm yeah it's not been sure a lot of bad. Games. It's
0: pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a, there's a way to rectify that other than to, to <laughs> scrap the whole system. Yeah, exactly. So, so just circling back to Russell Wilson, what, what do you think has happened to him? It seems like his mind has deteriorated over the last <laughs> hey, like six weeks.
1: You know, with football, I, uh, I really couldn't put it past anybody. I mean, obviously, I think that there's a lot of ego here. And I think that Russell Wilson... And this could be speaking a little too early on this. He got a super huge payday, right? Um, yeah. The more that comes out about this guy, which I'm not sure why now, um, all of yeah. it is coming full force. It's trickled out over the years, right? But it seems like now, you know, the whole thing, like the Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Richard Sherman interview where yeah, Marshawn yeah. Lynch and Richard Sherman, they, they can't even get a hold of Russell Wilson. They got to go through his manager to be able to text the guy. Um, you know, you and I just talked today about um, him doing exercise on the plane, doing, doing knee highs um, to, to prove a point about his hamstring or something like this. It really just seems like, I mean, even his post game stuff, his post, I mean, yeah, he's a yeah. big dork, but it it's also just something's off, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm actually kind of concerned. I'm not going to lie, yeah. you know?
0: Well, I, I maybe he just had a better handler in Seattle. Um, maybe so. Somebody that, that kept him out of the spotlight so that his, his weirdness, uh, it could only trickle out versus uh, stream out in the subway commercials and four-hour plane workouts.
1: <laughs> I saw a, uh, like a video on tiktok of that subway commercial and it,
0: <laughs> did i
1: send you that did i send you th- um, yeah i did the woman was tied up and it was just him doing his lines in the commercial but it was like a scene from silence of the lambs
0: <laughs> yeah it's so it's so bizarre <laughs> everything he's done since going to denver has just been bizarre really it is. It's so weird. Uh,
1: he's just, you know, the from the I mean the I mean they've been losing a lot, you know, a lot of games. And uh, I know we're not yeah. that far in the season yet, but I mean this whole Broncos Country Let's Ride thing. <laughs> it's just it, really it, really It's strange. a pivotal moment. Oh my goodness. This guy.
0: Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was it was doomed to fail when uh did you see those photos of of Russ pregame in Seattle, kind of standing there trying to to breathe in the stadium? Yeah, with his arms out. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, just somebody just made fun of that. Another NFL player. I guess they just played the Broncos here recently, and he, he was doing it pregame, like hoping someone <laughs> would catch it, and just um oh it's so tacky right Uh, like uh, oh man but yeah i think uh you know between him uh, tom brady showing up looking like even more of a just a gaunt wax statue a a ghoul yeah some sort of ghoul you know aaron Rodgers and whatever he did with his hair uh yeah matt ryan just his face you know just weird things right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: (laughs) so yeah i think it's um we're seeing an end of an era here and um you know, I, I think everyone knows we need to turn the page here. And, uh, yeah. we're going to see, um, you know, a lot, a, a new type of athlete in the NFL that we're seeing now, you know, quarterbacks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Geno Smith. G- <laughs> the great Geno Smith. Sucking the life force out of Matt Ryan and
1: Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew he was going to be the hero? Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Been an interesting ride. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Absolutely from here on out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you have a story for us this week, Bo?
1: Yeah, Lefty. The uh, NHL season is in full swing. You know, so I wanted to talk about a player today that, you know, continues to evade best of lists sometimes. Yeah, uh, you know, these days. But even in the midst of his playing career, even with outstanding statistics and great abilities, it. He still seems to continue being one of the most understated players of his time. So today we're going to talk about former NHL center, current Seattle Kraken GM, and Hockey Hall of Famer Ron Francis.
0: Let's let's jump into it.
1: Jesus. And for listeners who can't see us, um, Lefty's wearing a throwback 90s Seahawks hat. I have a Supersonics hat on, and I'm doing a story now on the GM of the Kraken. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> My last story was on Sean Kemp as well.
0: (laughs) Right as the Kraken are about to to face off against Pacific Northwest rivals, the Canucks.
1: That's right. That's right. So, you know, uh, for Ron Francis, growing up in Ontario, Canada meant work ethic. You know, that came from his father who worked in a a local steel mill for 40 years. Um, Very blue-collar upbringing. But, you know, that demeanor carried onto the ice as well. In his early junior hockey years, Francis averaged about a point per game for the Sioux Greyhounds as a teenager before the Hartford Whalers selected him at number four in the 81 NHL draft. Now, he started a second season in the juniors, but was averaging two points per game, and the Whalers couldn't have that. They had to call him up, so he was called up in mid-November of that year. Season one was a 25-goal, 43-assist performance, and Hartford fans saw him as the foundation for the future. At age 22, he was named captain. He would spend nearly a decade with the Whalers, leading them in scoring five times and assists nine different times. He was nicknamed Ronnie Franchise, and it was thought he would help lift this small-market team to the Stanley Cup. But... You know, things changed after the 89-90 season. You know, the fans loved him, but his relationship with the Whalers organization started to change. That was after, you know, a fourth straight first-round playoff exit. So here we go with contract negotiations. They stall. You know, he's stripped of his captaincy for some odd reason, and as the 91 trade deadline neared, they traded Francis to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So... Keep in mind, if Francis is only 27 years old at this point, he's going in the prime of his career. You know, Overnight, he went from the face of a franchise. Now, he's the number two center behind one of the best of all time, Mario Lemieux. So, what didn't happen in Hartford happened in Pittsburgh. Francis played a critical role in winning the Cup that spring and the following season, too. In 91, he scored seven playoff goals, all at even strength, and four of them game winners. In 92, he led the NHL with 19 playoff assists, and the last of his eight goals was (laughs) the cup winner against the Blackhawks in 1992. So needless to say, he was clutch, right? He had the ability to elevate himself and his teammates at big moments. But being on a team with names like Mario Lemieux... Yami Yager, Kevin Stevens, Rick Tockett, and Tom Barrasso. I mean, Ron Francis was the quietest star on the team and probably in the league. You know, he starred in Pittsburgh for seven seasons. He led the NHL in assists two different times. He won the Lady Bing Trophy for sportsmanship twice during that time. He also won the Selkie Trophy as the best defensive forward in the league, and he was runner-up another another year. You know, in, in 1998... He signed with the Hartford Whalers again, but this time they had relocated and became the Carolina Hurricanes. One of his big reasons for signing, he liked the idea of building interest in the sport in a non traditional market. So he plays five seasons there. He leads the team in scoring twice. In 2002, he won his third Lady Bing Trophy for sportsmanship. He also won the King Clancy Trophy for leadership and humanitarian contributions for all his time spent within the community, trying to build up this Carolina Hurricanes following and and, and work with folks uh, who wanted to connect with athletes. You know, he's the captain all five years he was there. And finally in 02, the Hurricanes make it to their first cup final. Of course, Ron Francis, Leads them in playoff scoring with 16 points. Undoubtedly. Yeah. You know, his six goals during the playoffs, three of them were game winners. And, you know, finally at age 41, after a 23-season career, he retires in 2004. Now, his 1,249 assists are second all-time behind Wayne Gretzky. His 1,798 points are fifth all-time. He played in 1,731 games, which is third all the time. And he's 26th in career goals with 549. He even had 22 consecutive 50-point seasons. You know, uh, this is uh, up to age 40, he was still doing this. Yet somehow, the 2007 first-time Ballot Hockey Hall of Famer is rarely ever top of mind when NHL greats are discussed. You know, statistically he is one of the most prolific players in nhl history and that's during an era when some of the game's greatest ever were playing alongside him a few of them were his teammates but he was never dominant aside from on paper he didn't have the physicality that some of these stars had but he did have an extremely high hockey iq you know I challenge anyone out there listening to find Ron Francis' name at the top of any list, even with his statistical dominance. He had a very subtle personality. He scored a goal, made a play. He acted like it was just his job. He wasn't a big celebratory athlete. He never produced a lot of media attention. You know, some would say he was just flat-out boring during an era when players were loud. They were abrasive, they were entertaining, and they were getting into trouble. You know, but with all that being said, Lefty, what do you think? You think Ron Francis is truly underrated, or is he just a a victim of playing in a small market for a good portion of his career and never really getting a lot of airplay?
0: You know, I think that... uh he's kind of victim of of something we talked about before you know the the unexciting player right you know no nobody ever really thinks about the guy racking up the assists as you know the guy the the player that everybody remembers is the guy that scores the goals not the guy that sets them up and while he did you know score a fair number of goals and you know he did have you know, an astoundingly productive career, especially when it comes to assists. Um, they're just way less memorable than the finish, sure. And that's unfortunate. He also played for a really long time. You know, um, while while that that does mean more more memories for fans to have, it also means that uh, th- those memorable moments are are spread out, right. easier to forget, right? And as you mentioned, playing in those smaller markets, Hartford carolina um not not well-known hockey towns
1: not at all right
0: um you know um and even now you know transitioning to to seattle that it historically has not had a hockey team right um kind of following that same trajectory um so you know it seems like while he was highly efficient proficient too at uh, at assists he also wasn't the most efficient there you know right while he's second all time in assists He's only twenty second when it comes to assists per per game. All right. You know, he was a real accumulator before that was a real thing in hockey. Playing twenty three years is huge. That's a that's a testament to just his durability. For really. sure. Um, and definitely definitely an underrated player. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about those peripheral stats. You know, the, the guys that, that that do the smaller things that that go a little under the radar, and. Uh, you know, Ron Francis was one of those players that uh, kind of did everything right, but none of it was exciting.
1: Right. We've 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 seen a bit of that. You know, we did you did a story on a guy like Marvin Harrison. You know, who all time is on, you know, statistically right there with some of the best receivers ever to play the game, but not a flashy guy, not a star by any means you know, and played on a team with Reggie Wayne and Edgar James and Peyton Manning. And this is where it, you know, it seemed to end up, right? And I think it's a similar situation for sure. Um, You know, for Ron Francis, he really embraced that, though. You know, I think he just became very comfortable and happy with being a role player and being able to turn it on when needed, you know. Um, But still in all, you know obviously a long long career span, spanning over two decades um he was still performing at a high level you know near 40 yeah, years old yeah.
0: uh, hockey's Absolutely. an aggressive
1: sport right we're not talking about yeah. coming off the bench as a dh you know yeah yeah it's uh still you know, still productive still productive yeah
0: arguably more productive than he was you know um, in his younger days, when it comes to you know like plus minus, right? Exactly,
1: uh, exactly. He,
0: he had a few rough there years there early in his career, and you know wasn't quite that bad right. <laughs> later in his years.
1: Right, right.
0: Um. So so yeah, definitely an underrated player, and uh, you know, kind of reminds me a lot about uh, Roberto Tresores. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Um, who you had talked about a few? I guess a month ago two months ago right um you know you don't get a lot of notoriety for making progressive passes in soccer sure you know? sure exactly despite despite being the the one of the most important things and kind of the fundamentals of, of scoring goals um you know everybody remembers the finisher not the not the guy that makes the assist or sets up the assist and uh you know Ron Francis was was the was the number two He right. was the he was the you know Scotty Pippen <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, he was even through, you know, we talked, like I mentioned earlier, we talked about it. Ron Francis got always got a lot of recognition for not getting a lot of recognition, you know, and I think that's a reasonable assessment. You know, um, obviously, um, you know, he he was a terrific faceoff man and he was one of the top defensive forwards in the league throughout his career. You know, he had great attention to detail. You know, and he was the foundation for some really, really good competitive teams. You know, um, it's in 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 recent years, especially. You know, going into a city like Raleigh, North Carolina, You know, yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, it's it's a little different now. Um, I did pick Carolina as my Stanley Cup uh, favorites. You did. From the East. You did indeed. <laughs> um, I think they've put it together, and they're they're a highly competitive team. But you know. In an era with no social media, um, you know, it, it, it was easy for someone even that good to largely fly under the radar. You know, um, uh, he, there just wasn't a lot of focus, and especially again playing on a team, you know, with so many big names, uh, that the the Pittsburgh Penguins of the 90s were just a, a farce, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so uh, absolutely. I think um, I think uh, Ron Francis, Ronnie franchise. Uh, a very underrated player. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of accolades, and some of our listeners are probably like, how can you say that, you know? The man's won numerous awards. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, again, as we talked about, it's not really about that. It's about, you know, at the end of the day, the appreciation for, for what a player does. And, you know, the, the Gretzkys, the Messiers, the, the Lemus, those guys are, are, are top of
0: line. You know, um, yeah, yeah. He, well, he was kind that's of, the one of the things. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things that's more unfortunate about his career, is that he was such a prolific, um, you know, passer and his sister, that he just happened to to overlap his career with the only person who's ever done it better, but right. also scored a bunch of goals in Wayne Gretzky. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. You know,
0: in, in, even in a different era, um, even, you know, pre-social media, pre-YouTube, um, he might have been more recognized um, had he not, you know, basically perfectly overlapped wayne gretzky's career
1: definitely definitely well you know um hopefully um it again like you had said uh he's back again in a non-hockey market and he's trying to build up an organization once again so you know uh ron francis you know good luck to you sir um you know we definitely appreciate
0: your career i would appreciate it just slightly more if the Seattle Kraken mascot wasn't so gosh darn weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just debuted a few days ago. I'm not sure if you've seen this. I haven't. I haven't seen. Oh, it's, it's pretty bad.
1: Really? What is, yeah. what is So, I mean, is it like, uh, you know, it's some sort of squid,
0: octopi thing? I, no, no, it's a thing.
1: <laughs> it's just like, just some random creature.
0: I, I, I really do not know what it is as anyone else? <laughs> if, oh man, now, now I got it. It's like, described, I gotta, it's described as a. It's described as a Seattle sea troll.
1: Seattle sea troll. Oh my goodness! Let me, I, now I see. I got to pull this up because uh, is that that's some sort of Muppet? That's it's like, like a, it's,
0: tra- it's like it's trying to be uh, gritty, but gritty's already a thing <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. And we'll be right back with another story about an underrated athlete. And we are back. Yes. After a riveting discussion about Ron Francis that was sidetracked by Bowie the Seattle Sea Troll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <that laughs> I'd like to talk about an athlete that is essentially the opposite of Ron Francis. Someone who um, is very much not accumulator had a very short career, and um, someone that, that was highly recognized for mm-hmm. what they did throughout their career. Um, I'd like to talk about an athlete that might be the most adequately and fairly rated player we've ever discussed on this <laughs> podcast, but someone I don't think you're familiar with okay. and someone I posit most of our listeners have never heard of. Today, I want to talk about an athlete that was named the best player of the entire century in her respective sport, despite only beginning to play internationally in 1991. Wow. Today I want to talk about Cuban volleyball player Reglatores.
1: Well, you are correct. I I have never heard that name and uh, never followed much Cuban volleyball, but I like where you're going.
0: Totally understandable. Even in this script, I already anticipated you saying that and wrote, totally understandable. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Her dominance on the international stage started during a transitional stage of the Cold War, uh, but also during a time in which domestic leagues for women volleyball were pretty limited, much like our story of Kresimir Chosich, who we discussed a few weeks back we kind of have to fill in the blanks for a lot of the, the Torres story. Sure. You know, not a lot of the, the, the match stats and things like that are available. But, uh, you know, what we've got paints a pretty good picture. Torres grew up in Havana and began playing basketball at the age of eight. Huh. Sorry, volleyball at the age of eight. Um, and her talent was immediately evident. Despite it not being her primary interest, she was sent to, a, sent to a special academy to improve her skills. By the age of 14, Torres was already playing internationally. Oh. At six foot three, Torres was the perfect size for the sport and is best known for her play as a middle blocker. Um, and for those who aren't super versed in uh, in volleyball, it means she played right up at the net in the center of the court. Right. Yeah.
1: I'm, in terms of. Yeah, I did. she's a giant. Yeah. Massive. Yeah
0: yeah yeah um and and it's not like a super uncommon size today but uh you know just you know 25 years ago it was way less common to have 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 players in volleyball that large sure um and it, it worked for her in terms of style of play though She was known for being highly intelligent and having an advanced understanding of the game that was only backed up by her incredible technical ability that heady awareness what was happening on both sides of the court really gave her a huge advantage over her opponents, allowing her to take full advantage of her world-class spiking ability. She just had this supreme understanding of what was happening around her, positioning, just just phenomenal awareness. Right. So by the age of 15, Torres was already a member of the Cuban national team, competing in both the Goodwill Games and the World Championships in 1990. The next year... In 1991, at only 16 years old, Torres helped lead Cuba to a first-place finish in the Pan-American Games and an FIVB Volleyball Women's World Cup Championship, taking off what can be described as one of, if, the, if not the most dominant period of international sports of all time in any sport. Wow. The next year, Torres traveled to Barcelona the 1992 Olympics where she became the youngest athlete ever to win gold medal in volleyball only 17 years old in 1993 Torres still only 18 helped lead Cuba to an under 20 world championship and then with the senior team a gold medal in the world grand prix and a first place finish again in the FIVB grand champions cup
1: in that world World
0: Grand grand prix Torres won both best middle blocker and best server just reinforcing just how dominant she was everywhere on the court wow. in 1994 more of the same as Torres helped carry Cuba to another gold in the world championships this time being named both the best blocker and the tournament MVP 1995 another FIVB World Cup championship as well as another first place finish in the Pan American Games Oh. In 1996, Torres returned to the Olympics with the Cuban team and captured her second gold medal in volleyball. And the next four years would be more of the same, but now with some domestic success as well. With tournament wins and with teams in Japan and Italy, as well as another FIVB World Cup and World Championship, Cuba seemed unstoppable heading into the 2000 Olympics yeah. uh, with Torres at the helm. And Torres did not disappoint. She pulled Cuba back from the edge of defeat, capturing her third gold medal at only the age of 25, this time being named the best spiker of the 2000 Olympics and tying only her teammate, Karch Kureli, for the most gold medals in this sport. Yeah. In 2001, at only 26 years old, following that dominant stretch we just talked about, Torres was named the FIVB Best Volleyball Player of the Century and inducted into the International Volleyball Hall of Fame. That's crazy. At, tw- at 26. Wow. And in 2002, Regla Torres retired from playing in the game of volleyball. While Torres still acts as an ambassador to the game and has coached domestic and international clubs since then, she's largely stepped out of the public eye. At the end of her playing career, had stacked up a resume so impressive that it's unlikely to even be approached again. Sure. Her personal accolades in ter- uh, included tournament MVPs, awards for best server, best blocker, best middle blocker, and best spiker. With Cuba, she won two FIVB World Grand Prix, three FIVB World Cups, two World Championships, one World Grand Championship Cup, as well as three Olympic gold medals. Just in a truly outstanding amount of hardware in an incredibly short amount of time. Definitely. But that brings us to the important question. Do you think Regulatores is underrated?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, a triple Olympic champion uh, of any sport um, and and not really knowing the name. I mean, I think that's a disservice to, to anyone who could accomplish that feat, but no one has right? (laughs) So, um, as a teenager, you know, becoming a champion and, and, and being on these huge stages, you know, we're talking about, you know, Barcelona and, and Tokyo and Atlanta and at Sydney, places like that, you know, um, representing your country. I mean, this is no easy feat. Um, just to see this resume and, everything that she's racked up over her career and to top it off with a hall of fame, you know, essentially induction and uh, uh, a title calling her the best female player of the 20th century. Still, no one really knows that name. You know, I think absolutely without a doubt, she's underrated and in in so many ways. Um, And I'm trying to think back, you know, when I was growing up, obviously the Olympics were a big thing in households. You know, everyone tuned in and watched the Olympics as a family, you know, and even thinking back, I just can't recall any coverage, um, that I could remember and the name standing out. And again, you know, for a whole new generation of, of, of people, um, you know, hell, I, I watch volleyball every weekend, right? I've, I've got a 13 year old who plays and, uh, You know, the fact that this is probably going to be the best female player in volleyball history for a long, long time, maybe ever, maybe, you know, in our lifetimes, it is just a shame that no one really, you know, knows about this career. Uh, You know, I just, uh, like I said, I think it's a, I think it's a disservice and these are some unforgettable moments, right? Um, and some, some crazy wins and uh, a, a lot that uh, you know she, she should be proud of for sure
0: yeah yeah absolutely and when, when we think about you know some of the other big name uh, players um, obviously we have like Misty May Trainer and Kerry Walsh Jennings Yeah, who were who players that established themselves over long careers and had extreme longevity and here's a player that that led a streak of dominance that that'll be unchallenged for forever uh at such a young age in such a short amount of time sure um, sure I, I i just can't personally get over the fact that she could be named the best player of an entire century despite only playing nine years in that century all right it's just just an astounding feat um that that level of dominance in any sport is is something that's just incredibly impressive and uh yeah yeah you know Uh, Obviously, volleyball is not the most popular sport in the entire world, and it's not a super popular spectator sport, Uh, but I think it is important to to kind of recognize greatness where it exists, Exactly. and um, I think without a doubt, Regulatores is one of the most dominant and great athletes in her sport, in any sport of all time.
1: Right, right, and you know, uh, just to piggyback off what you just stated, you know, Uh, those titles aren't given out so easily you have to accomplish and work for it now thinking of this uh, from a different angle you know I'm not sure you know it could be you know because um she was from Cuba you know obviously the world has uh, our particular view and has had a view on Cuba for a long time you know and I'm not sure if that had any effect on you know, popularity or coverage or any sort of, um, you know, accolades that she could have received outside of her, her home country, but still in all, you know, um, it just, it, it bums you out. It, so many of these great female athletes, and we've covered a lot of them have literally gone just unknown, for so long outside of, you know, <laughs> people who are in that world. And I just, you know, I think yes, it's just yes. a shame. It really is because we've missed out on some some really great athletes and, and you know, somebody needs to give them their, their due diligence, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And we and we think, you know, obviously things have, have changed quite a bit. Um, one, one being that coverage of things in Cuba has, has shifted in the last, you know, couple of decades. Sure. Um, and coverage of women's sports has, has changed. We think about, you know, like the Williams sisters who have transcended just the sport of, of tennis right. um, into, you know, household names. And I think, uh, you know, I think Regulatores is, is a player that uh, kind of deserves that same recognition. Absolutely. That same transcendence of the sport.
1: And definitely. Definitely agreed. Uh, 100% underrated.
0: Yeah, so we've got We've got a couple of underrated underrated players today, in Ron Francis and Reglatores. Um but uh, we've got some other other exciting stuff happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of championships starting. Uh, we've got the World Series tomorrow, yeah. first game. The NWSL Championship on on Saturday. Yeah, uh, both kind of mirror each other a little bit, and that we have uh, one expected team houston astros in the world series and the portland thorns in the nwsl championship yeah and then one unexpected team in the philadelphia phillies and the uh, kansas city current right you have any any predictions for the uh for for the world series or the nwsl championship <sighs> well you
1: know what i am gonna turn on some world series coverage i like i like these late october vibes with baseball um i oh man this is tough really i want to see the philly shock but i I think that the astros are going to take it in six and uh as far as the nwsl goes i feel like uh casey's riding this momentum um just reading a little bit about them here over the past week or so and kind of following their playoff run here um you know i don't know too much about the portland thorns but i do know that there's a lot um within the organization that's happening not sure if that's going to be a distraction or not but I feel like uh you know KC is going to uh come out on top so those are those are my two predictions for 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 those two series
0: yeah you know I almost I think I might agree with you I think the Astros do it in five um yeah but also you know I think Kansas City is in good form yeah I think they they can take this although you know um Portland star Sophia Smith also US Women's National Team star mm-hmm. uh, was just named MVP today the youngest league MVP of all time well, well um, in deserved. the NWSL yeah so uh, that's uh, you know that's some positive, positive momentum uh, coming towards Portland as well so yeah you know for that sure that could be a close one
1: right uh, you know I I hope again we have talk, we've talked about this before we don't have to go into this but you know I, I hope all that stuff doesn't take away from all the hard work these ladies have done um, you know this season and it doesn't overshadow um, you know whatever happens you know coming up here so um,
0: but just yeah great yeah. work yeah it's difficult to balance um, you know those worldly events those league events um, definitely those, the horrible things happening with the hard work and success that, that you know these uh, these teams are 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 going through so uh, sure yeah hopefully it's a great game I'm going to tune into that on Saturday. Definitely, and, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'll tune in. I'll probably tune in to, uh, to game one of the World Series tomorrow just because, uh, you know, got to watch uh, Aaron Nola.
1: Yeah. I don't even think uh, – uh, has Houston announced who, there's, who they're starting? Uh, yeah, I believe it's Verlander. Oh, okay. Well, listen, he's another one, man. I mean, uh, yeah. this guy is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, everyone out there can hate Houston all they want, but, I mean – there's 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 something here that's been going on yeah. for for you know a long time and it it's it's not banging on trash can lids there's a good team yeah, yeah. so
0: <laughs> yeah well you know this this World Series matchup is is also interesting um there's an article in the athletic yesterday i believe mm-hmm. where he talked about how Alex Bregman and Aaron Nola were college roommates at LSU really uh, now facing off in the World Series that's pretty crazy. Uh, which I which I thought was kind of fitting because I think they're both uh, kind of underrated players. Yeah,
1: yeah. Bregman is is definitely another one. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'll say it again. Like Nola, I really shot him down before the season even got going. <laughs> so you know, uh, I, I, I I good for him. You know, I'm I'm glad to see those guys there. They've worked for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's you know Nola's had a had a weird series. You know. Uh, playing against his brother in the nlcs and now his former roommate in the world series i know Uh, small world right yeah spring training is gonna be against (laughs) his dad or something
1: (laughs) what time is the uh, nwsl game
0: uh i wanted to i'm bad with uh i believe that it's 6 p.m gotcha so you'll you'll
1: watch that brentford wolves game in the morning
0: yeah and then go back to sleep
1: yeah i want to <laughs> uh, i want to tune into that game a little bit i want to watch traori before he gets paid big money to come over to the nfl or
0: you know play rugby <laughs> in new
1: zealand or something
0: yeah 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 hmm. he looks like a fullback
1: which dude which we didn't even talk about it you see this pablo mari story the uh the no. defender for the arsenal oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, dude was stabbed That's in up. italy this morning I mean, yeah. like, along with like a, a handful of other people at a mall or something in Milan. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, they haven't released too many details. You know, obviously we're here, not there, but, um, you know, um, I, I, I think uh, other than the attacker, everyone is okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, crazy story.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, not a, not a, not a player i'm all that familiar with i believe he's on loan right and yeah absolutely with ac Monza.
1: yeah uh, and you know obviously um they're at the uh, top of the standings there so we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what uh you know uh, transpires here with this story um once more details yeah. it just happened this morning so you know we're we're just hearing all this but uh um as as far as we yeah. know he's in he's in okay condition
0: yeah, well, it's sticking with Italian soccer, have you watched any uh, any Napoli this year? No, what a I, phenomenal team! They I, they are next level this year. I have so I game, read, I've got, read,
1: read a little bit about uh, uh, about Napoli, but I haven't been able to see them firsthand.
0: Yeah, uh, I I don't even know the last time they they lost a game. I don't know if they've lost this season.
1: That's they, crazy. They, yeah, they're next level.
0: This uh, game they've got coming up November 1st against Liverpool would be a good one. Yeah, definitely. It'd be a good litmus test. test. Um, yeah, they they're, they've, they're, they've got 9 wins and 2 draws in the season. Wow. Just, uh jeez. And they're 5 and 0 in Champions League play.
1: I'll uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely look it up. Um you know, I don't I, I know we don't cover much of it on here and you know, it's a hot time of year with all the major sports and different things going on, but you know, I'm I'm a lifelong boxing fan. And I'm still, I'm still a fan of the sport. Um, a guy named Vasily Lomachenko is a, is a Ukrainian lightweight champion and he's fighting the Saturday at Madison square garden. Um, the reason I want to touch on this is earlier this year, his entire family was almost wiped out by a missile attack from Russian forces. Um, I mean, he's, he's 35 years old. I mean, he's been a four time champion in the past. He's, he's a great fighter, but you know, when I say his entire family, I mean, his children, his parents, um, cousins just you know shortly afterwards he enlisted in his local defense battalion and i mean there was a photo that circulated earlier this year with him in fatigues you know and just walking around um to kind of you know fight for his country um you know he watched a lot of people pass away a lot of turmoil over there and and the man's he's been through it is is what i'm getting at here so you know he's he's here today somehow and uh he's taking on jermaine ortiz who's young undefeated super skilled fighter but uh you know i'm gonna root for the 35 uh, year old ukrainian champ on on saturday so um
0: yeah again yeah.
1: <laughs> anybody who's looking to uh, tune into something else or keep tabs on anything you know that that that'll that'll be a fun match uh, a super hungry young fighter and uh a man who's had a hell of a year like so many other yeah. people in, in the ukraine have had so um yeah yeah best of luck to to both of them
0: yeah absolutely that'd be a that'd be an interesting one to watch for sure um that's gonna it's gonna do it do it for us this week we'll wrap up there uh so yeah this weekend yeah. you know friday check out the world series saturday check out the nwsl championship and uh that uh madison square garden fight
1: Heck yeah, um, yeah. Just uh, you can, uh, just you can, feel free to tweet about uh, how our, 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 our picks are, are terrible. You know if
0: yeah if they are. yeah <laughs> yeah if we say something dumb, tweet us <laughs> at underrated pod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok at underrated pod under underscore rated underscore pod. Um, you can find us on YouTube too at underrated pod. Um, you can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Um, that's all we've got
1: until next time